Tommy, I'm good? back. I'm back. Okay. All right. We'll officially start the podcast. <laughs> I said you could just go. I'd just hop in. Yeah. You yeah. Gotta, but you gotta I was be gonna less wait. fidgety, Tom, because that does come up on the. I know. Yeah, Tom. Fuck me. This is why I don't podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway. Hey, everybody. Uh, as I mentioned in the last episode, we're taking a couple weeks hiatus from regular episodes in order to get back out in front of our production schedule and to give us some breathing room. But we would be remiss if we left you without any Voidfarer goodness, so we wanted to do another Voidfarer Uncharted episode where we discuss the campaign so far and answer some of your questions. And uh, this time we're all here. Everyone hey. is here this time. Yeah. Everyone, just like Smash you Brothers, everyone is here. Everyone is here. <laughs> uh, Tanner and Saker were too good for us the last time we did this. They're like, I'm, oh, I'm still, still too good for you. Yeah, but we're yeah, just okay. here. Yeah. So we're oh, still okay. too good. He condescended to come to us today. (laughs) I heard I was going to get a bonus check, so that's why I'm here. (laughs) Wait, you guys get paid? (laughs) Bonus implies you have a regular check. But yeah, no, uh, you, you guys heard that the last time we did a, an Uncharted episode, you were like, oh, it's not a regular episode. Pfft. But then it actually ended up being kind of great. Yeah, they wanted to here. make sure that they weren't attaching their names to something incredibly <laughs> stupid before they agreed yeah. to do it. <laughs> we were- yeah, my brand could have suffered, so I'm glad this is okay now. Got Saker it. and I are the cautious ones of the group. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'm all about my brand. So. Yeah, I mean, if Tom and Nick and Fiona go down, then, you know, at least Saker and I can continue on doing a void fair <laughs> twosome, I guess. The Adventures mm-hmm. of Luckbeak and Marco. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, that man. sounds like a ton of fun. That actually does sound like a That would fun. be a hell of a spinoff. The Erotic Adventures of Luckbeak and Marco. <laughs> mm, you had to take it there. Why? <laughs> I was just thinking it'd be more like Road to El Dorado. Yes. Uh, Which yeah, was that, also it, uh, that would be. vaguely erotic, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> And then, and then Ravnus gets her own solo spinoff because she's alone. I get anyway. the gritty, like, solo movie that <laughs> the backstory that no one wanted, no one asked for. <laughs> that, so you get, that like, is Logan. Solo Star Wars story. Uh, oh, yeah. I, oh, yeah. I didn't like that movie, though. Yeah, it was okay. Really? I didn't like it. Yeah, I know. That's Let's talk about of... our Logan opinions <laughs> yeah. for five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> I know that everyone liked it except like, me. Like, what, two but... years late? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I still haven't seen it. Oh, really? Yeah. I enjoyed it. It was but... good. We saw it in theaters. Yeah. I think, yeah, I remember having the same opinion as Tom. Fiona, actually. Tom, say where you see a movie again. Theater. In the theater. You almost give it three syllables. What the hell is happening? <laughs> <laughs> Are you saying theater? Theater. The theater. A little bit. A little bit. <laughs> Holy shit. Okay. I love it. The theater. It's, it's theater. very classy. I mean, hell, you're even having a scotch right now. Wait, how are you saying it? Hold on. Theater. 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 The theater. theater. The theater. Going down to the theater. Exactly. I, yeah. This might the, the, be a the, weird, like, your parents had very different accents yeah. thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just stick to calling it the cinema. Mm-hmm. You uh, were the cinema. That, that's cinema. <laughs> you were raised in Wales, is what you're not telling us. <laughs> <laughs> this is the quality void fair content people came here for. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, this is the quarantine content where the bar has never been lower. Right. <laughs> that's that is true. I mean, if if the Twitch stream we did the other day was any indication, 
Yeah. Although, although this this episode won't come out for another week, so that that Twitch stream we did two weeks ago, um, mm. <laughs> extremely relevant. Right. See, by the time this comes out, by airs. now we may have done another one. Who knows? Yeah. yeah. So very so. successful, surprisingly successful. Yeah. Yeah, I like, I was impressed. I, I I was like, no one's gonna watch this. It's like I, we I just got a to... lot of void fair memes. Yeah, honestly, That's I true. always am like shocked when anyone listens to this podcast or like <laughs> is engaging with us with anything. What? I'm what like, I, wow. What did I say about our brand, Fiona? I'm here to make sure my brand doesn't suffer. You want to say that we are this amazing makes and us incredible? Seem humble though. This yeah. makes <laughs> us seem humble. Hashtag humble. All right. Hashtag yeah. Hashtag Humboldt. Your entire prior mm. statement was insincere. You were doing it just to seem humble. <laughs> See, that's where the air of mystery comes up. Yeah. Uh, but like, how, if how you sincere. lie enough, it just becomes the truth, right? That I think that's how that works, mm, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Boy, we so are if sure you just, just living under administration. really hard that you're humble <laughs> yeah, really. hashtag relatable, then people will just be like, oh, yeah, that... That's a real humble guy. Hmm. <laughs> so, like, I'm going to be honest, like, no joke here. I honestly thought that the stream would probably do, I'd say at best, like, maybe six or seven people. We got, like, well above that. And I'm, like, very shocked and yeah, in a, a good way. Almost 70 people tune, tune in over the course of the mm-hmm. two-ish hours we were streaming. Yeah, I think our yeah. peak concurrent was about 20. Tw- 20, yeah. Um, if anybody is listening to this and not know what we're talking about, we streamed us just hanging out playing Jackbox the other day, uh, which was a blast. Um, so that might be a thing we might have to do on the regular more if we're, if we could find the time. Um, it's not an issue now, but it might be in the future. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And if you're interested in that kind of thing, um, follow us on like Twitter or Facebook Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, oh, we're, at we'll the, uh, we're at the plug section right now, so yeah. I am at Bindon Tom. Tom. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Tom segued right into it. So, I mean, <laughs> the, the Voidfarer stuff, at Voidfarer Pod on Twitter and at Voidfarer Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. Let us know if you want to see us stream more uh, or just, you know, shout at us. Whatevs. That's done. I'm done with the plugs if anyone else wants to plug anything. <laughs> I heard Saker trying to get a plug in there for it's all been oh, done. Oh, see, I thought plugs were for the end of the show, so I figured we were done, so I was going to throw my plugs in. There's no harm. There's Look, we're, 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 we're running real casual with, sure, with this sure, format, sure. I think. But anyway, um, maybe we should jump into the actual Voidfarer content that people are here for. Yeah, you would think. So, uh, we just concluded chapter two of Mm -hmm. the podcast, which is great because it means that there are two whole chapters available for people to binge while they're quarantined due to COVID-19. So, if you haven't listened to anything yet, which I don't know why you wouldn't have if you're listening to this, but, you know, that's there. But that also means that we've concluded another story arc and uh, it's a prime time to talk about it. So, um, the first thing I wanted to ask you guys is, what you think so far? <laughs> <laughs> um, Terrible. <laughs> so, what, I mean, what? where did you buy your bait, Nick? I mean, was there a tackle shop, like, near here, or <laughs> I was just, I mean, okay, I, don't, I, don't, I love it. It's the best game I've ever played in, <laughs> in my life. <laughs> 
I oh, am like thanks. still <laughs> I'm still like thinking like it still occupies my thoughts about um the old Githyanki that Ravnus like can't quite remember if that was a dream or something she really saw mm-hmm. and I still just sometimes I'm just like what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> oh, B- BT dubs for spoilers for the f- first two chapters, I guess, obviously. But yeah, whatever. yeah, that's we're going to talk that's about that's a shit. very minor thing. That's yeah, not, we're going to yeah. talk about shit here. So if you're going to be spoiled, if you care about that stuff, you are listening to the wrong bonus episode of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um. So from my perspective, I'm actually like loving where this is going and ex- especially how it was set up because at the first like chapter and like the first two chapters here, we've gotten into who our three characters are and we've gotten into at least their motivations, kind of what drives them. And then at the end of it all, I love the little like tidbit of just kind of hinting of where we're going in the future, trying to find Val's dad, um, things the like that. Father. So Yeah, the void <laughs> father. Uh, is that what we're calling him? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> who coined that? Was that Someone one of us? Uh, was that? It was on a Twitch stream. I can't recall who did. Yeah, it, I think it might have been Chelsea, but I'm honestly not sure. <laughs> it, it was one of our friends who did it. Yeah, Captain Adam Rain hashtag the Void Father. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that that was in context of like the character. I think we just kind of adopted. Yeah, it. I uh, think it was, like someone said the Void Father. We're like, who is the Void Father? Val's dad. <laughs> Val's dad. Clearly. It could be so much worse. It could be like the Void Daddy. Val's oh. dad fucked Coot on the regular. <laughs> Jesus. That one was me. I wrote that one. Oh, okay. <laughs> wow. Because I was just like, you know what? Coot and Val's dad would be around whenever they were, I guess, maybe in their prime. So, uh, so maybe I, I, Coot a little seasoned. These are inside jokes to the Twitch stream we just did. So I guess <laughs> yeah. if you want to be in the know, go watch that VOD at twitch.tv slash Project Derailed. I probably derailed. slap um, that up on YouTube at some point uh, before it goes I away. intend to okay. when I think about it. But um, to finish my thought here, I really like the fact that, like, these first two chapters, we've really gotten to know, especially the three main characters, but then just at the end, they're hinting at the much bigger picture of what's to come. Um, I've been really enjoying just seeing how we're all kind of mixing together, and then also just that nice little tidbit at the end there. And and it, it has been, like, a little bit of a challenge. Uh, not a challenge in a bad way, but a challenge in an interesting way. I think, but you guys created three very different characters. And then I decided, which is something I don't normally do in my normal campaigns, but to start the adventure without any of you knowing each other. Hmm. So, and it's added that extra little wrinkle of it's like, okay, be a party now. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And you guys playing true to your character. It's not that simple. It's been great. But as a dungeon master, it's been, uh, I've had to think about it from a, several different angles to try and push you guys eventually in that direction. And, and I do, I mean, you give us a peek behind the curtain every so often and, uh, mm-hmm. and, and you're, you're kind of pushing us together being the, uh, the sort of maybe what's, what's happening with that mind meld thing that happened to us a couple chapters ago uh, is definitely piques my interest. I'm curious yeah. how we are all uh, related or what our relationship is. That shit's weird, huh? Mm, so it yeah. is. What, wonder what's gonna happen. <laughs> I I do too. <laughs> Except I, I mean say, it, and you don't. Damn it. 
<laughs> I think with this like previous uh, mission too, we've also like really built together as a team because before it was kind of hard to see how the three of us worked together at all. I think mm. so too. I think that we're kind of settling into a rhythm, and I I really like uh, especially like the weird like partnership that has sprung up between Marco and Luckbeak. <laughs> they just like yeah. they just commiserate together like so well. Yeah, <laughs> I really and, like and that, that about them. And then there's Ravness. <laughs> and then there's Ravness. And Marco, uh, Marco's a lot better at dealing with Ravness than most people, I think. <laughs> well, it's it, it's definitely a matter of like uh, Luckbeak and Marco being not normal, but more at least emotionally intelligent than say like Scriv or Ravness or a lot of the people on the Void Fair, or especially now that we are in the. Uh, the the forged mothership like they yeah. kind of have to yeah. stick together a little bit uh-huh. like <laughs> yeah that's a good way to put it that we have a very higher emotional intelligence but certainly definitely nowhere near normal sure right um, I, and speaking of you guys like uh getting on the forge mothership well first meeting all of the forge that were in the Githyanki vault and then eventually getting onto the ark of Sybaris, i thought it was funny because Saker, you had already kind of established that Luckbeak didn't really know what quite to make of Scriv. Mm-hmm. And then I just throw at least a dozen new Forged characters that you guys to interact with. Yeah. And I tried my best to make sure they were all a little different, which may not have come through in their voices, but I hope came through in their mannerisms and personality. That was my goal, at least. <laughs> but I wanted to kind of introduce that not all forge are the same um but they are they are all similar in the sense that they are still very much figuring out both who they all are individually and who they are as a culture because they are beings that were created um so it's been really interesting kind of thinking about that from like their history on eberron um and what would it be to a a culture and a people if they suddenly were able to flee their oppressive origins and then make a new life for themselves and, and what that kind of looks like. So uh, me and Tom had a lot of brainstorming about it and a lot of good ideas. Tom's a huge Eberron nerd. And I do like Eberron. Yeah. And, and since I've learned about it, I've looked into it and I loved it. So I couldn't help but to incorporate a bunch of these Eberron elements into Spelljammer. Plus, mm-hmm. you get the sci-fi, the sci-fi tropes of like the the robots. You know what mm-hmm. I mean. So uh, it works really, really well. Yeah, it clicked so nicely. I, it mm. always, to me, feels like we discovered the obvious thing for putting Warforged in Spelljammer. It's, mm-hmm. it's almost less like we figure this out and more just like we put them together. It was like this is just like a logical consequence almost, and it's really cool. Mm. Yeah, and and like I, it wasn't really my intention, but I found that like after we were kind of developing what the forge as a people looked like in Wild Space, I was pulling a lot of inspiration. We had joked I was I was like subconsciously pulling inspiration from Mass Effect uh, in describing their ship because you guys said this is totally the Citadel. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but the forge as a people are kind of like a combination between the Quarians and the um, uh, 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 Geth. The Geth, yeah, Geth. Yeah. 
Yeah, I blinked on it because there's already GIF and GIF in, in yeah. the yeah. GIF, GIF, so, and GIF so, now. So, uh, so the GIF and the Quarians kind of combined together is kind of the dynamic we have going on with the Warforged, yeah. which is also interesting because in Mass Effect, those are the two rival factions. So um, but, I'm actually curious, Nick. Mm-hmm. Um, can you give us a kind of a sneak peek or a taste of what's to come with that? Because at least for my character... I am extremely fascinated to where this is going, especially with some of the things I found with Defect. So uh, I can guarantee you, you, like, Marco is at least going to poke and prod that a little bit more. Um, you would like that, wouldn't you? I would like that. <laughs> or I think the idea of being like, what are some like fun ways that they might be incorporated in the future? Well, um, obviously, they're going to be a, a major political faction in Crot Space. I don't I, I think that's pretty obvious. Uh, that I'm, I, don't, I don't think I'm giving away too much. Um, in that, uh, I, I mean, especially because like Val, Val's reaction when she learned mm-hmm. that the creatorship was coming to Crot Space, because it's like the creatorship is the cultural hub of Forged in all of Wild Space, not just Crot Space. So the fact that the ship had come here, which is this mostly unknown and still very hostile sphere, is a development. <laughs> And given all the other factions that are entangled here so far, fighting for its resources and any profits that they can gain and any of that stuff, um, now having a major political faction in in the form of these Forged uh, is a wrinkle. Actually, so to kind of go to Q&A a little bit, I've actually got a question for you, Nick. Sure. Um, So why don't you give us a rundown of what you see as the major factions in Crot Space that um, we're likely to like, like interact with and see in the podcast as like important factions. Sure, uh, there's there's a, a handful of them, and they are uh, varying degrees of um, I guess influence and power. Uh, currently, the the biggest is, uh, or at least maybe the most influential, is the Salvagers Guild, probably because they were the, like the first major faction there. Um, and what they do kind of has a hand in everything that goes on because they are like basically the scouts. So even other factions will work with them, as you saw with like the Xena Syndicate doing like extra scout work for the uh, the Salvagers Guild and stuff. So and Salvagers Guild basically runs Nadir Anchorage. Um, Nadir Anchorage is kind of like the hub of the all of these, you know, people coming to Crot Space. Um, but just by the virtue of they have the most power uh, there, um, the Salvagers Guild basically runs that place. Uh, then there is the Xena Syndicate, which is basically this crime organization. Um, they do like mercenary work and they, they do a lot of stuff in there. Of course, led by the Suzerain, which now has a connection with Luckbeak mm. as of the after credit scene, if you will, <laughs> to, the, to the most recent episode. So, uh, so they'll definitely one. be a major player. Plus, you, you've seen that they have access to a fleet of these uh, Dwarven Draugr ships, which you saw we saw in the second episode of Chapter 2, um, which fucked up the Voidfarer. So um, they definitely are a force to be reckoned with. There's the the Elven Imperial Navy, uh, which we've only really heard about, and you've seen a couple uh, elves kind of walking around a Deer Anchorage, and you've seen the, the Armada-class ship that is kind of orbiting near Nadir Anchorage. And Val has described that as being kind of like they're there to babysit, basically make sure that treaties are being adhered to and nobody is being 
dicks to anybody else. Uh, unfortunately, I think most of the treaties um, that that exist uh, don't really cover the kind of hedge case that is Grot space. So a lot of these factions are exist are kind of operating in a gray area. So there's not a whole lot that the Elven Imperial Navy can do, but they're there to basically make sure that people don't tear, tear each other apart. Um, what else? There's the uh, Moonhammer Mining Company. Uh, we haven't seen a whole lot about them yet, but they are there. Uh, they they have operations all throughout Wild Space, but they have uh, particularly refocused their operations to Crot Space, specifically to mine Phlogisterite, to mine Cinder Shard, uh, just because it's only available in Crot Space and it is very magical and very valuable. Um, so they're there primarily for that. Let's see. There's also... There's now the the children of Sybaris, who are primarily here to to find a homeworld, uh, because there's inherent risks in basing your entire cultural hub on a mobile ship, um, as large as it is. But uh, so they're they're here, like you know, a fresh empty sphere seems, you know, like a prime location to find somewhere that they can put down roots. There is. Uh, there is a uh, several platoons of GIF uh, who are just serving as mercenaries. Um, those are the large hippo people, um, and uh, there's there's a several other like minor factions floating around. Uh, like there's a uh, there's a group of mages that you might learn more about, and uh, there is um, uh, tinker gnomes uh, doing their thing. So um, the flute gadgets are. Uh, uh, tangentially associated with them. Mm. But yeah, uh, there's, there's a lot of moving parts, um, you know, given the, the unique situation that is crot space, a, a crystal sphere that it was inaccessible for 10,000 years and was home to an, a, a very advanced magitech civilization suddenly to become accessible again. And that civilization is gone without a trace. Um, so there's a lot of, a lot of unknowns, um, and a lot of resources to be had. So there's definitely a, just as many interested parties. That was, uh, <laughs> that was an info dump. I yeah. apologize. I'll go for it. Yeah. So, and, and, and as I said, like, uh, like a lot of the minor factions, uh, like just a peek behind the screen, I'm still figuring out a lot of those as we go, um, pulling inspiration from old Spelljammer resources um, to kind of see what can be represented and or reinvented for our take on the setting. So um, if if a narrative, you know, reason pops up to incorporate like a the faction of mages or something to that effect, then that's when we'll see them. Um, but they're obviously not as prolific in the system as the Savagers Guild or the Moonhammer Mining Company um, or the Zenith Syndicate. So, yeah. Should I? I just I just left. I went to the bathroom for about 10 minutes. Did we do anything? Uh, you, no, you didn't miss anything. <laughs> oh, okay, good. Right. We just sat here in complete and utter silence. Whew. All right. <laughs> we did. We weren't even allowed to sip coffee. Just I figured if I silence. left, it would be, I mean, pretty we much like, silence. So. Yeah, no, it just killed the podcast. Like, oh, fuck, Zaker's not here? Well, I guess we'll wait. <laughs> so, yeah, thanks Should- for the question, Tom. You're welcome. Should we take a question um, that someone else asked us? Nah. Sure. Yeah. Let's hear it. No, we, we can have take one, a Fiona. 
Um, so do we have a pre-recording ritual and how long do we take to set up before we actually click record? That's from our friend Chelsea. <laughs> and uh, we don't have a pre-recording ritual that we usually do, honestly. Um, that sounds fun, though. Maybe we ones? should get one. We should all say grace before we record. (laughs) We thank the Lord our God (laughs) for the bounty we're about to produce of hashtag content. Um. And and then before we record, um, two or three, well, not two or three, because that would be almost all of us. Like one or two of us is like set up on time, ready to go. The other two come in, like, maybe, like, 10, 15 minutes later, and then Tanner is like, I got my time zones confused. <laughs> we are we are on a slippery slope, because I used to get there at, like, if we were recording at 8, I'd be there at 7.55, and then I'd notice, like, oh, nobody's here till 8.05, so yeah. then I started yeah. coming at 8.05, and now I feel like, oh, I'm a little early now, maybe I, we need to start stepping it up again. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it just, yeah. just kind of keeps sliding. Yeah. Or, or it's like I, whatever I get on my computer, I need to fix like audio issues because my computer decides happens. to reset. Yeah, like reset yeah. certain audio settings every single time. Sure, uh, it's like it's like an issue with the bitrate. Like the bitrate changes whenever I get on this computer and open Audacity, and then I have to go in and change it, or I sound either like a chipmunk <laughs> or a uh, movie trailer announcer. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So one or the other, and I always have to go in and adjust the bitrate. I don't think. <laughs> You should mess with it and just yeah, just what keep you whatever is just what, what you get. Whatever the podcast gods deem, I sound like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's that's variety. Ever since exactly, ever since I got a, a just like a you know USB mic, basically, I've been getting there a lot faster because it used to take so very long with my other microphone, and I was having to mess with various dials and things like that and it would take forever and i would put it off because i didn't want to do it <laughs> and also we're, we're not recording right after my um my classes anymore which is helpful and getting ready on time so mm-hmm. so we've yeah. been slightly better about time yeah but yeah. not yeah. a lot uh, time stones still fuck me up <laughs> yeah more than it should it's a one hour difference <laughs> well facebook took away the um, reminder feature on Facebook Messenger, I guess. Mm. That's yeah. what we used yeah. to use, and that was nice because then my phone would be like one hour, and we could yeah. set it up. And also, it accounted for time zones. Yeah, yeah wait, which the events don't do. Lives in I don't a different think. time zone than the rest of us. It used to be that the thing that killed me is that we record just after I got out of classes, so I had an hour, like <laughs> a thirty to an hour long drive, depended upon traffic yeah. to get here on time, and usually. I would get here like two minutes after time, so I'd have to scramble to get everything together. Right. So my, yeah. so to Chelsea, my pre-ritual for this is scrambling to run into my house. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I usually end up scarfing down food like five minutes before where we record as well, because because if we're recording on a day, I'm doing like DM prep from like the minute I get off of work to <laughs> like. 15 minutes before we record and then uh i drive to the building where my recording setup is at and uh uh like run through a drive-thru on the way and then scarf it down while i'm getting everything set up Hmm. so usually while i'm fixing the bitrate on my computer i'm also like scarfing down a whopper or something (laughs) nice 
I don't want to impugn anyone either. Everybody tries super hard to get here on time. And actually, we've had like Tanner <laughs> maybe one or two sessions ago got on just on time and said like, guys, I cannot find my laptop charger. Oh, no. Actually, oh, yeah, that happened. Go yeah. to Best Buy to buy a new laptop charger. <laughs> what, like, that was a heroic move. I was like, oh, recording's canceled. But no, yeah. he, he, he went the distance that night. <laughs> right. Oh, God. Uh, I lost my laptop charger. It was gone. I didn't know what to do, and I needed my laptop for a lot of other things that night. Um, and so I'm like, okay, I got to figure out how to record. So I'm just like, fuck it. I'm going to Best Buy and bought one. And then two weeks later, I found it under a chair in or like my university's library. Still there. Wow, it's amazing. Yeah, oh, that was there. at that was at your university. I thought that was at your house. No, it was. I I lost at the. I thought I lost at my house, but I apparently lost at the university. It was under a library chair, and it had not been moved for two weeks. Wow. Yeah. So this is why. Um, you know, I I wish that we would have started cleaning things. before we all had to go into quarantine Um, so uh it was funny i forget who it was i apologize uh to whoever asked this question of us um about a week or so ago on our twitter but somebody asked us had we ever considered streaming like streaming our games uh and this is why because we would never be able to keep a regular schedule and actually start on time uh so at the very least when we're recording we could record it whenever we can and then edit it and put it out. Uh. <laughs> yeah. Plus, yeah. like, I, I, you guys probably don't have this problem, but when we did stream for a little bit, so I work from home, so I'm in, like, my pajamas a lot, but it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's really exhausting to just be like, okay, I have, like, in addition to setting up all my equipment and everything, I have to, like, do my hair and my makeup also. And it's just, <laughs> it burns you out really fast. And some people already do that every day, and I usually don't wear makeup on any given day, but I like to for streams and such, and mm. as, because the lights just wash me out, and uh, it was... <laughs> It's rough. (laughs) I like just using my voice. Yeah. There are a lot of big production advantages to just recording a podcast. Mm -hmm. Um, Without the video, it's simpler. You don't have to worry about, like, weird hitches in the stream. You can just do it, edit it, put it up on schedule. It's it's a lot easier. And we're all very, very busy people. So, like, any kind of corners that can be cut. (laughs) Yeah. So... Anyway, uh, this is uh, we have a handful of questions from our friends over at uh, Frostwalkers podcast at Podcast Frost on Twitter. Um, the first of which is uh, to everybody. Uh, what was your favorite creature to fight slash run run from? I guess. <laughs> <laughs> or no, that might be referring to you running at Nick. Oh, oh, maybe. Yeah, I think that's what I, I, about. I, I Although prefer, we can't I prefer run from. my my interpretation. Uh, <laughs> No, no, I think you're right, Tom. But but my interpretation is pretty funny. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'll let you guys answer, and then I will jump in. Um, mine. Sure. Hey, um, I, I'm, oh, good. Now you can go. Everybody at the same time on three. What? <laughs> How about Saker Fiona Tanner answer? <laughs> All right. So I uh, uh, this will get me crucified on the internet. Um, I don't <laughs> like Dungeons and Dragons all that much. Um, because I feel like there's a very heavy emphasis on combat, um, which is probably my least favorite part of 
role playing. Um, but I think Nick does a great job with um, kind of balancing those two things. So I'm going to take the second part of your question. What was your favorite fight to run from? Um, and, <laughs> and I, I think it was uh, it was it was uh, climbing into uh, the uh, well, the suzerain ship, right? Um, yes. Yeah, uh, and I think mm-hmm. you you did a good job coming up with that encounter on the fly with the Thrycreen, and uh, I mm-hmm. I had a lot of fun. I just because uh, I like in D and I feel like man taking lives is such a heavy heavy thing to do for a and it's for for any character and it's hard to just put that aside for me as a human being and be like well mm. he'd be okay with this even if they're attacking me so um mm. so i i love running and i love i love finding ways around combat <laughs> or talking people down or things like uh, that so uh yeah you've done a good job so far and uh oh, thanks yeah 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 so that's my i've said it uh I, I said it in the last uncharted we did you weren't you weren't here though i list i, but... I whatever it was <laughs> pumpkin or uh, what was the code word <laughs> yeah, no, it was totally pumpkin. <laughs> it's pumpkin this time. It's pumpkin oh, yeah. now. Yeah, we just okay, gave it away halfway through. My bad. Oh, yeah. it up. So if you listen uh, to but, it halfway through, do pumpkin, and we'll give you another one at the end, so we know how far you got. That's correct. But it's actually just going to be the same word. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, um, uh, and I had mentioned uh, last time that uh, actually uh, when Luckbeak uh, throws me that curveball, you know, when you throw me that curveball and go off to do whatever the fuck you're going to do that isn't what I planned uh, is one of the most exciting moments for me as a DM because I become an audience member as well at that point because I don't know what's going to happen and I have to figure figure that out. Um, like, you know, Luckbeak running off to the Gilded Lily and having a conversation with, uh, uh, what did I say his name was, Jenkins? <laughs> sure, that sounds right. Uh, yeah, something like that. Something like that. Yeah, because that was a character I just invented on the fly to give you someone to talk to. Uh, and it allowed me to actually drop information uh, that you other- otherwise wouldn't have gotten that early. Sure. Um, and uh, and interestingly, both times you've kind of like – the both primary times you've kind of run off on your own. You've gotten information about the Xena Syndicate, which is interesting, which wasn't really planned, but that's just kind of what happened. Mm, we're linked. Um, we're star-crossed yeah. lovers. <laughs> so uh, the three Kreen on the ship was cool uh, because that was actually something that I was kind of toying with, like that character mm. um, existing in the Xena Syndicate. But I had not created him yet, and I, he didn't have a name at the time. Mm. And I had no intentions of having that character on the ship. But since you went into the ship, I'm like, something interesting needs to happen here. So I it I invented, fleshed out, and named that character in that moment and threw him there uh, to make things interesting. Big DM so, move. Good stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah. En- enough with my tangent. Uh, Fiona or, or, or Tanner, who did we say was next? I was next. <laughs> yeah, Fiona the me. Okay. Yeah. Um, I would have to say the Beholder, actually. I really liked that fight, and I thought it was uh, – pretty fun. I actually also don't really like D&D that much, but for very different reasons. Wow. Why yeah. are we doing this podcast? Yeah. <laughs> Weirdly. So this is when people it's, demand it. So if I think it's funny that, that, you know, the beholder was kind of my answer because like 
this is going to sound bizarre that I'm on this podcast, but the reasons really why I'm not as huge of a fan of D&D as I am of, like, other games, not to say that I hate it or I, you know, don't enjoy playing it because I, I play it, you know, all the time, but um, I'm not a huge fan of medieval fantasy, and I'm also not a huge fan of space stuff. So <laughs> I don't know why I'm on this podcast, really, but that being said... <laughs> That being said, the Beholder fight was uh, was a lot of fun. There was, like, you know, it had some personality to it. It wasn't just, like, uh, you know, go fight this thing because it's scary and recognizable. There was, like, you know, stuff to be had, information that we could uh, glean from it. And I also think it was a really good coming-together moment for uh, Marco, Luckbeak, and Ravnus. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Until Luckbeak yeeted himself away. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Um. <laughs> so, but then he found out about oh. um, about the beholder and its ship and stuff like that, and that was part That's of right. what solved that in yeah. the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, now I feel like I need to actually throw out there that I do, in fact, like D and D. Fuck you, Tanner. <laughs> Jesus. So don't worry to everybody else listening. At least one of the players like thoroughly enjoys it. Um, I'm actually usually not the hugest fan of like D and D is an odd one for me because I actually am like not a huge fan of fantasy settings, but I really like D and D has gotten me. I love it, and I also really love science fiction. So Spelljammer is just my jam. Um. Your jammer. Is it your spell jam? It it is my spell jammer. I will tell you that right now. (laughs) Um, I want to throw out a silver medal as far as favorite to fight. It was the little flesh creatures, because I thought that was fun, Mm. especially whenever we were in the vault. However, I have to give it up to fighting the Xena Syndicate was my favorite thing to fight. And it's been that way for a while now, because I feel like that scene in particular encapsulated everything that we've been doing so far. It was Treasure Planet, you know... Mm -hmm space pirates you have like you know pirates hopping onto the other ship and full broadside attacks you have all these fights and in the middle of it all you have like these two xena syndicate members saying whoever kills val we will if you if someone kills val we'll leave you alone in that nice moment of tension and even as we saw um later on somebody contemplating it for a split second before the fighting continues and to me, like, with Luckbeak is also fucking off to their ship, like, that has been, like, the true, like, science fiction, D&D, pirates in space, like, moment for me. And I don't, it's gonna mm-hmm. be hard for, to top that um, for anything in the future. This is doing great things for my ego. Keep going. <laughs> oh, no, so let's all now talk about how wonderful Nick is and how he just creates so many wonderful things, actually. But no, seriously, like... I, I love that scene. I think that uh, scene encapsulates Spelljammer, encapsulates like mm-hmm. science fiction fantasy. That was very much the what we what I was going for. And, and Tom actually gets a lot of credit uh, for this as well. Like him and I, uh, him and I met in a diner in Cleveland and hashed out that entire episode uh, and basically what the major beats of that combat were going to be. Uh, you know, like how the Voidfarer is going to make its approach, like the maneuver that Val has the ship do to kind of pin the Xena Syndicate between uh, between the Voidfarer and the Marlin ship and the strategy and the orders that Val was going to give and everything and kind of all of that stuff going on uh, and everything down to like that that moment of tension. Uh, uh, we went back and forth on it for a long time. To yeah, kind we of did build this kind of quintessential 
Spelljammer space encounter um, because it is like the first major spaceship battle that you guys would have experienced. Um, so we really wanted to kind of pull out all the stops on it. Yeah. I actually want to shoot into a little bit of just GMing advice here because I think it's mm-hmm. it's a nice little tie-in. Um, D&D's biggest difficulty, and this gets into... Saker and Fiona both saying that D and D isn't necessarily their favorite game. Hey, um, I want to clarify real fast. I don't hate D and D. I know. I know. <laughs> Neither do I. Yeah. I, I, yeah, yeah. I, I feel like I came off like that. You guys are I really get don't so hate many it. Hate I just I, I, I tend to go more towards like uh, modern horror games and and mm-hmm. you know like VTM and stuff like that. Yeah. But I definitely don't hate D and D or Spelljammer. D and D both its like strength and weakness is like, the richness of its combat mechanics, right? Where there's a lot there. It's pretty crunchy compared to most games. There, there's games that are definitely crunchier. Um, but, like, it's there's a lot to D&D combat, even in 5th edition, which streamlines things. Um, what's really helpful from a GMing perspective to have an exciting D&D combat is to... First off, it's really useful to have, like distinct motivations and objectives for the characters, both the player characters and NPCs, like the enemies, um, and, like, NPCs on the player's side. Giving them something that's more than we don't like them, we're gonna kill them can lead to much more dynamic encounters where there's a lot more going on. Um, to continue my filibuster just a little bit, it's also helpful <laughs> in a D&D combat to like use phases where have planned out or you can improvise this depending on how natural this becomes for you but introducing big shifts or changes or like just impactful moments in the battle can really help like a battle feel more like a cool action sequence rather than just like a slog Mm -hmm. yeah and uh to, to kind of build off of that like and and i think it's especially since like like luckbeak's pl- uh like saker your play style especially the way you're playing luckbeak has has kind of uh influenced the way that i at the very least um build my combats for this and it does uh actually lend itself into exactly what tom is talking about because like uh if you look at the the kind of the the clim- the climactic battle in the Gith Yankee Vault was very much built on this philosophy that, uh, yeah, there's things to fight, but the objective is not necessarily to kill the thing. Mm. Uh, and that, that was, that was by design because we designed that monster, all these flesh creatures kind of piled up into one large monster that had effectively infinite hit points. Um, and you had options. So the, the options were your goal was to place the beacon and and escape. Uh but in the to meet that goal you can actually go and help um Herker set up the beacon. You could talk to the brain to talk it into surrendering or to stop attacking or fighting the monster to slow it down and to like basically just like remove its uh actions from it uh in that combat. Uh all of which help in the the primary goal of setting up the beacon and escaping. So you had lots of different options that were not just hit the monster, you know, Um, which keeps it interesting, you know, like, because I know that Luckbeak isn't 
interested in combat. Um, so giving giving all of you guys options in the encounter that are not necessarily combat, um, but still help achieve whatever the goal is, uh, has been really useful. And it's also more interesting, I think, to run and to listen to. Uh, because naturally Marco went to set up the beacon like we expected. Luckbeak, you went to go talk to the, the brain like we expected. But what I didn't expect was for Ravnus to go talk to the brain. And that ended up being the turning point of the episode, which is super fucking cool. Um, you know, like I was almost for sure Ravnus was going to be helping Scratch and Dent fight fight the monster. Uh, so the fact that that happened was a curveball I didn't expect and actually led to the completion of that that particular encounter um so it was super cool stuff yeah and she was uh she was pretty unhappy about what she did there too (laughs) (laughs) yeah i did not realize that until you said something about it in the next in the next uh like val surprise when you said all the terrible things we did Val surprise was legitimately my surprise because yeah no that um ravenous doing that actually went against a lot of her ideals that uh that i outlined sort of in her backstory and also you know when you're selecting your ideals and, and such for your character sheet and uh I think that she regrets that decision, but I also think that she was just, like, trying very hard to get everyone out. So, uh, Ravnus has done a lot of things that she regrets, and I think that that's one of them. Hmm. So, um, I guess to answer, to, to finally get to my answer <laughs> to uh, Frostwalker's uh, question, um, I think my favorite encounter that I ran just for the pure silliness of it, was probably the asteroid jumpers. Mm. <laughs> Forgot those, about that. Those, those were also, like, if there was a bronze medal, it would have gone to the asteroid jumpers. Because <laughs> uh, I, like, because the asteroid jumper is is an actual monster from, from Spelljammer, uh, but... Uh, I I reinvented it a little bit because like in in the original Spelljammer books, they're basically like, oh, yeah, they can teleport to asteroids they've never been to before and other ships and uh, like certain small planets and stuff like that. And it's basically just to explain why you can fight rats on the moon um, because they can't teleport in combat. Mm -hmm. They just like teleport in in response to like like population pressures and stuff like that. But I'm like, that's not fun. So yeah, they can do that, but they also have like a blink dog's blink ability. And, uh, which makes it interesting because the silliness of giving a swarm creature that ability is just too good to pass. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I, I thought it was a pretty humorous encounter. uh, I think that encounter is also a good example of like a more low key version of the idea presented of like introducing mm-hmm. phases to a combat. Cause that one yeah. we were able to have sort of phase one on the, um, where were they even? Was it? They were on, they were on the Scrove battle wagon. Yeah, that's uh, right. Yeah, yeah. The other ship. So they had mm-hmm. like sort of phase one over there and then phase two, the asteroid jumpers hopped over to the ship and then uh-huh. we went over and put Luckbeak in the spotlight for a while, along with a couple NPCs and, made it a lot more interesting than it was just, like, the three of them on the ship fighting some rats. Plus, it also, like, worked out that, like, it made sense to me that, like, Luckbeak wouldn't necessarily be seen as useful in, like, you know, loading up a bunch of 
you know, loot that they found. Right. You know, he wouldn't do it anyway. Right. Exactly. <laughs> he he would he would be looking to pocket whatever he could. Yeah. Exactly. Um, <laughs> yeah. So uh, and and it it was funny to me when we were thinking about it, uh, like the roles on the ship that. Uh, that they would just decide that fuck it, Luckbeak's just gonna go with the kids <laughs> and swab the decks and clean the clean the cabins all day. Um, <laughs> yeah, he simultaneously it, it's like, like insulted, but he won't do anything else. So like, <laughs> I right? Mean, that's just yeah. So he's yeah. like, I guess this is the best it's gonna get. Yeah. If it means I have to sit at the kids' table, so be it. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but yeah, I, I enjoyed the asteroid the asteroid jumpers as a, as a monster, um, and it was a great way to call back to the original Spelljammer um, as contrast to like the flesh creatures, which were entirely original. Um, those were not based off of anything uh, other than my brain. Um, so it, it kind of, cause it's like, I didn't want to be entirely beholden to Spelljammer. It's like still a, a reimagining and a, an update and a reinvention than a uh, gritty just like reboot. A, <laughs> a gritty <laughs> reboot in wild space. Oh, uh, um, your mic is messing up again, Nick. It's making you sound like a movie announcer. Is it really? <laughs> I will have to fix that. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah. So anyway, um, there's a couple other questions from Frostwalker's podcast, but we can take a, uh, maybe one from you guys and then we'll hop back to them. I got one if nobody else has one, especially for Luck Beacon Ravenous. Sure. Because um, I was actually kind of curious about like after this is all said and done and after we had had our conversation with Val... We learned about the Void Father, respect, um, and everything. I was kind of curious what Luckbeak and Ravnus's motivations are with staying on the Voidfarer. Because um, this is something that's actually been boiling in the background for a while um, with our characters. And Marco is pretty well set. He's doing everything he ever dreamed of doing in his life. I don't think you could pull him away from the Voidfarer. But I was kind of curious what's keeping Luckbeak and Ravnus um, attached to the ship. Sure, go ahead, Fiona. Uh... Uh, Hold on, Ravn- I, I need to take notes here. <laughs> no, go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. I'm good. Um, Ravnus <laughs> is on the ship mainly for some uh, hidden backstory reasons. <laughs> but <laughs> I think also at this point, she does genuinely really like uh, Luckbeak and Marco. And she's a bit worried about what will happen to them if she leaves. So it- <laughs> <laughs> Because they will just die like if Val expects them to go out and like do the same job without her she knows that that bad things would happen um but why she would be staying on the ship otherwise is uh things that will come up I'm sure during the course of the show but um it's a it's a little bit calm a little bit calm B. so listen and find out yeah listen and find out uh oh uh, exactly. Ditto. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's uh, there's some backstory beats that we haven't hit yet. Uh, that um, is one of the big reasons why uh, Luckbeak is just happy to be nominated. Um, and um, I, I'm just happy to be. I'm here. just happy to be here. Um, and I I do think uh, that he has some uh, legitimate fondness for some of the members of the Voidfarer. Um, I think that, um, 
Oh, well, uh, Saker has no fondness because he can't remember their names, but... (laughs) (laughs) Um, You have the Google sheet I sent you. I was literally (laughs) pulling it up as we were talking. Um, uh, I think there's there's probably some uh, some some kinship with uh, Melinda and Merrill, uh, his um, his gambling buddies. Uh, he uh, legitimately likes scuttlebutt. Despite they they despite the fact that they hazed you. Yeah, they hazed me, but <laughs> just a bit. <laughs> you know, I, I kind of deserved it. A oh, bonding moment. <laughs> uh, and um, uh, what is the name of uh, the woman who kind of takes care of the kids? Oh, that's uh, Tiana. Yes, and uh, I think there's there's some legitimate fondness for Tiana too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what I find very funny about this that I just learned? You two have apparently very extensive backstories that I don't know about. <laughs> yeah, this <laughs> out. We have very um, rich inner lives that do not that have not come up yet on the Void Fair. Yeah, uh-uh. I, I have wanna... plans. I have plans for both of you, so don't you worry. Oh, I'm excited. Um, Marco, I want to throw this out now. Marco I is do exactly not. who he says he is. <laughs> yeah, he just is, I do not. He's happy to be there. Marco, that's exactly it. I think Marco. Well, Marco is supposed to be more or less an avatar for people who don't really understand what's sure. going on. Like my job is to be amazed by what I'm looking at, <laughs> so I don't need a backstory. Nick, Nick asked um, us to submit backstories, and Tanner just submitted the first five ep- five minutes of episode one as his backstory. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, yeah, that's basically it. Um, yeah, no, like, what you see is what you get with Marco. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I kind of find a little bit fun now about the dynamic, because you two bring it up. you got these rich backstories that we need to learn about. Marco, for somebody who comes in and listens to this, he you he's an open book you know him from the beginning you know him to now like there's not there's no secrets there but then ravnus and luckbeak have these very interesting backstories that need to come out and you know get to know their characters a bit more um i that actually leads me into a question i have saker if you want to say something though uh no it's just i mean i was just gonna say that that's uh that's a lot of how i've um I, I DM more than I play, and I really love um, kind of like intricate, not intricate, but like, but sort of puzzle boxy. Like, there's something in the middle of all this that once you get to it, it unlocks a lot about what's happening. And usually on the DM oh, side of it, buddy. I love doing it as as just like you know <laughs> plot, like you know trying mm-hmm. trying to figure it out. And I like these big intricate mysteries and riddles. Um, and as a player, I think it's also rewarding to. You know, once once you find out some stuff about the character, I think the character makes a lot more sense. You and I are on the same fucking page. You don't have any idea. I I do really like though that like Luckbeak is clearly not like you know the most law abiding citizen, and Ravnus like casually mentions like cannibalizing people, <laughs> and Marco's just like. Yeah, they're they're fine. There's nothing else going on there. That's okay. <laughs> well, as far as Marco is concerned, Luckbeak is the most law-abiding citizen he's ever met. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. That's I think true. every single one. insight check Marco has ever made on Luckbeak, which I think there's only been like two, have been like overwhelmingly like, oh yeah, he's fine. I'm a good guy. Well, he's never he's never legit. swindled uh, anyone in his life. <laughs> Yeah, like, um, and other times, like, there's no need to insight because I already believe him. Like, I need a reason to not. Yeah, well, friends, uh, why would you insight check me? Well, to this day, Marco still believes that he and Luckbeak are friends, like, fully we 100% with no friends. strings attached. <laughs> well, now. <laughs> yeah. 
Now we're friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, that's true. <laughs> so, Fiona, you said you had a question. Yeah, this is also from our friend Chelsea. Um, what what about your character's backstory that hasn't come up yet can you reveal? I thought that was a oh. nice segue question. Mm. Let's see. Uh, okay, so um, luck beak. Uh, so I think that there uh, are uh, definitely other named doars uh, that become important to luck beak's story. Uh, They're all ducktails, OCs. <laughs> they kind of are, uh, and that actually will lead me into a question that I have momentarily, which is <laughs> fucked up. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, yeah, they they re- truly are Bandywink, Pudgefoot, Web Splash. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh my god, I can't wait for the Luckbeak backstory episode. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be so whimsical. Um, but yeah, there there are actually a lot of... Uh, uh, there's some, some shit in here that I had forgotten about. Luckbeak always wears a necklace. I forgot about that with a signet ring on it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it's it's, it's, it's in, in the, the official art. Oh, yeah, I, I know. I definitely remember telling everybody <laughs> to put that on there. Um, yeah, uh, so there's... Uh, 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 oh, glint eye. Yeah, so there's a lot of of uh of doar that we're gonna get into. I think in the backstory. Mm-hmm. I guess that's what I can. Oh, yes. I, the rest of it is is too complicated. <laughs> so, <laughs> plus we don't want to spoil too yeah. much. Um, I'm going to because we just spent an entire couple of minutes talking about the fact that my backstory is revealed. Like, there's nothing <laughs> that really needs to be revealed from my character. Um, however, I think there is some plot threads that might lead to Marco doing some interesting things. Um, in particular, after realizing who Defect is and what Defect might be doing, um, Marco, I think Marco's curiosity might lead him down a path that will be like, I'm here to help you no matter what the situation might be. Um, and that might be something for Nick to latch onto too, is that like, Oh, I'm Marco, taking notes. <laughs> yeah, Marco is heavily interested in whatever defects doing, no matter what the no matter what purpose it might have. Um, I think that Marco is more interested in the collection of knowledge than he is to think about the repercussions that might happen, and that might be a character flaw to uh, potentially look into in the future. So, uh, yeah, and I think that 100% tracks with ev- literally everything Marco has ever done. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, like including including the uh, including the the action that got him transported to the Rock of Brawl from Toril to begin with, in oh. back in the uh, in the prologue. <laughs> and that might be something to play with in the future, because I was just like say like if Defect was making the atomic bomb on a planetary scale, I think Marco would still help him even knowing that to be a fact. Wow. Because it's an invention of knowledge. Now I don't know, we'd have to actually get into it into the situation, but just to pontificate on where I think things might go, Marco's quest for knowledge might end up being destructive in a way that could potentially be interesting. I am rock hard right now. <laughs> Jesus, Nichols. I am flying full staff. Um, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> yeah, no, that's 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 super interesting. Fiona, what about you? Uh, yeah, I, I was thinking about this. I think that what I can reveal is that um, Ravness is very much a creature of habit. Like, she's very attached to, like, a 
routine and having certain comforts. Um, and I don't think that that's super obvious with how she acts sometimes, but, um, it's, it's very important to her to have some sort of consistency, like, you know, knowing when her next meal will be. And, uh, she was in this past chapter, I think, put into some discomfort because of that, because Val's like, you know, we have like a couple days leeway with doing this, but you know, it'll be fine. I think that that was, uh, that was very stressful to her. She, she really didn't like that. But yeah, I think that she is, um, you know, from her backstory, she really is very much like she likes her comforts around her. And she's actually very loyal um, besides the whole. She doesn't really like Val, so she's not super loyal to Val. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, she's, you know, not stuff that comes up super obvious, I guess. I don't know how much detail I can give out mm. while still um, maintaining certain things. But she does like to, you know, know what her next meal is, know what they're doing on the Void Fair. So I think that she likes being in the position that she's in. Um, and mm-hmm. also having having some friends who help keep some consistency for her, I think, is is very useful. Yeah. And I mean, definitely kind of due to the, like the kind of weird special circumstances, like you guys ended up finding yourselves like kind of within Val's circle of confidence, um, which... <laughs> Considering the fact that they were saying the special treatment, uh, this last episode, the special treatment was a problem. The, the simple fact that, like, these special circumstances are very unique to the three of you that is not true of the rest of the crew. So the fact that, like, Val confides in you guys, uh, like, with things about her dad and, and other stuff, um, uh, I think I think makes sense. I've at least tried to make it make sense. Mm. Uh at, at, at the very crux of it, it's because you're the PCs. But uh, <laughs> perhaps I've said too much. Can, uh, <laughs> can I hint one more thing? One more thing in my backstory? Yeah. Uh, there is an origin story to my accent that will come out. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> that is already fun. Uh, everybody, yeah. Yes. I mean, the accent is the real star of the show, so I had to get that out there. Hey, can I ask a question? <laughs> yeah. Cool. Um, speaking of names, uh, where did you come up with Ravnus and Marco? I'm curious if those have special significance or modeled after someone or. That's a good question. Um, do you want to go Fiona or you want me to go? You can go first. My answer is boring. So you can go first. I know, I know Fiona's answer. Yeah. (laughs) Um, unfortunately, like it's not exactly a titillating tale. Um, Marco was just a cool name that I thought of, but Astorio, that one actually took a little bit more thought process. Because I wanted to give a name that had a little bit of, like, kind of zest to it. To, like, you know, Marco Astoria that kind of, like, rolls off the tongue pretty Mm -hmm. well. But Mm -hmm. I also wanted to try to find a name that really worked for a, like, space adventure or something like Mm -hmm. that. Just something that could hint towards, you know, astrology or space or something like that. So I actually looked a little hard for Mark. Like, uh, Marco was already well set, but Astoria took some time. I always assume that you named him Marco as kind of like a Marco, Marco Polo. Polo That's what I was thinking too. Yeah. yeah. That's what where my head oh. was too. I I did not, but now that you said that, that is exactly what I was thinking every step of the way. I, I like totally maybe it was thought. a subconscious thing. Yeah. I like yeah. that history of how I chose Marco Astorio far more <laughs> than mine, uh, which is, huh? I just really like the name Marco. Yeah. Yeah. That's unfortunately, yeah. That's uh. 
It wasn't Marco Polo. It was just Marco was a fun name and Astoria Uh was the attachment to space. Yeah. No, your process for uh, coming up with his last name is basically the process I do for literally every NPC because I'm crazy and I want (laughs) names to mean things or have certain like feels like uh, like Val, like Captain Valeria Rain sounds very sci-fi very <laughs> like it's it's like equal parts sci-fi and fantasy in my thoughts it sounds like a captain's name but it sounds spacey and boy did i go through lots of iterations <laughs> uh but i do i do that sort of process to one level or another for all of my npcs uh fiona um so <laughs> what i do with every single character is i go on fantasynamegenerator.com <laughs> and uh they do not have a gif or gif yankee uh name generator so i went oh, I to they the did. no they don't so i went to the dragon name generator and i clicked randomize until i found a name that i sort of liked and then i put an apostrophe in it <laughs> <laughs> nice i i have to laugh because the the naming convention actually like fits pretty well. Well, yeah, I, I based the apostrophe because I did look also. So in in a normal game, I would not feel bad taking a name from the book, which is what I do for many of my characters in, in my home games. Um, but uh, I didn't mm. want to do that for obvious reasons for this, so mm. I I did a name generator instead. Um, but I I did I I think I also changed the spelling, but I did try to make it seem like it would fit within a um, mm. Gith Yankee naming tradition. Mm. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah, and I didn't realize that her name was Ravenous until I think oh. three episodes in. I didn't notice that till now. Yeah, I, it took me a while that I'm like, oh, shoot, I hope that people don't think that that was intentional. <laughs> She's hungry as hell. I like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fiona, there is a Githzerai name generator on Fantasy is Name there? Generators, but, but not Gith Yankee. Yeah, their names are a little mm-hmm. bit different from what I was seeing in the yeah, book. Yeah, they, they are. I, I probably just, like, just it was, saw a dragon first and clicked on it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Saker, what about you, other than, like, Googling uh, DuckTales OC name That's, generator? I mean, basically, pretty much the uh, <laughs> the path that I took towards it. Um, yeah, I, I, I really wanted, um, because Doar uh, were a uh, custom class that you kind of gave me the opportunity to take, uh, so there was no mm-hmm. real um, blueprint for creating them. So it was kind mm-hmm. of fun to get to create sort of the the thematic element of an entire race like what what are all their names going to be so i yeah. yeah basically i i made them all uh you know some sort of like um either two nouns together that sound like i i wanted them all to be very positive and i wanted them all to mm-hmm. be two nouns together uh so yeah. that's that's their naming convention and then from there i just uh i i thought until i i thought of some stuff that was cool so uh i i really like it a lot because it really does breathe a lot of personality yeah. into that race um oh. which is a race originally from Spelljammer, um, but there really isn't a whole lot uh, that was really established about them that I could find. Um, plus, like I said, my take on all of this stuff is a reinvention anyway. Right. Um, so I definitely like um, kind of collectively our take on Doar. And then this this only works because I am the only one playing a Doar. It wouldn't work if they were actually a whole race, but all of their last names are names of actual breeds of penguins. So they're Rockhopper, Humbert, Chinstrap, uh, things like that. So there's only so many of those. So I love the name Chinstrap. Yes. Like that, that needs to actually be canon. That's my sister's name is Web Splash Chinstrap. 
Nice. <laughs> I love it. Nice. <laughs> uh, we have um, any other questions? Yeah. Uh, let's see. Let's take another question um, from Frostwalker's podcast. Uh, what location has stood out among the others thus far? Is this any location, um, period? Uh, yeah, any location that I would say we that you guys have visited in the world so far. Okay, because I had two. That I mean, don't tell me about your, like your 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 local park in Chicago. I, I like in game Tanner. Oh, oh yeah, <laughs> uh, shout out to Come Edgewater on, Park in Cleveland. It's pretty cool. <laughs> great. Shout out to Donkey Coffee and Espresso, Athens, Ohio. Hell yeah, Fantastic. Donkey. <laughs> Hell yes. Yeah, you know Donkey, oh, yeah. right? We're, we're yeah, both you OU, OU boys. Yeah, we are OU boys, aren't we? I forgot about that. OU, oh yeah. yeah OU, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, regardless, though, um, back actually to the subject at hand. Immediately, um, the Void Fair has a special place for just being, I think, a very fun way of just exploring the idea of a spelljammership, but I have mm. to say that it hands down is Nadir Anchorage. Mm. I think that that place is just it, it's fascinating to me. It has a very Tatooine like Mos Eisley spaceport sort of vibe to it. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the the mythos of it. I love like kind of how it's all put together. Um, so to me, I find that to be the most interesting. As a matter of fact, one of my things I'm kind of looking forward to is Marco exploring the Deer Anchorage at least a little bit more as he's kind of doing a couple of things here and there for the next episodes. Yeah, I, I don't want to give too much away, but I think the next chapter will uh, we'll get to see a lot more of Nadir Anchorage. I am really happy about that before I, uh, I toss it over to the others, because I love Nadir Anchorage. I think it's just a really cool concept that actually, like, I hope that somebody from D&D <laughs> listens to this, takes Nadir Anchorage and, like, I don't know, get, hires Nick to actually do that for an official thing, because I think it's... <laughs> yes, no, no please show. hire me. I've been laid off due to the coronavirus. <laughs> That's not a joke. We, we gotta start like, being nicer to D and D then, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> no one like, could be hired. Chris Perkins does time. follow us on Twitter now, guys. So, yeah. Chris, if you're listening, hire me. <laughs> There's never been a better time for the Crop Space Campaign Guide. Yeah, I mean this right. no joke, no hyperbole. Nadir Anchorage <laughs> is one of like the coolest settings I could think of for a D and D game, especially one. I mean, it has to be one in space, but you get the idea. Mm. Like, I love it so much. I love like what you did with it. Oh, thanks. Um, I think out of the places that we've explored so far, the one that has felt um, the most uh, kind of lived into me was uh, the Beholder sort of cave slash ship. Um, That one was really, really fun. I think there was a lot to play with, and the space felt um, both real and comprehensible to me where I felt like I could play with, okay, where's the beholder? Is he going to see me on the deck of the ship? Can I go inside? Can I get into this catapult? Um, and then the, the cave mm-hmm. itself felt very dark and foreboding. And um, it was, it was a real a, a spooky trip. And uh, I really, <laughs> I liked that location quite a bit. Mm-hmm. I, I really liked the place where we rode on the lizards too, <laughs> where, where we got oh, the yeah. green jelly. <laughs> I really liked that. Mm. That was really cool. I also, the, the, this isn't really a place, scene. I guess, but I really like just like sitting on the ship and seeing like the space whales go by. Like I like those very like aesthetic locations, just that kind of like, it just, it just feels cool. Yeah. I, I definitely try to make a point uh, to insert those sort of things to kind of 
because uh, it's like I feel like if it's just like encounter after encounter to investigating the dungeon crawl to, you know, even just like role play interaction and stuff, it's like that's all well and good. But I think to really sell kind of the strengths of Spelljammer, you need to insert this like these reminders of how weird it mm. is like I think right. when we were talking about when me and Tom were talking about that episode with the Kindori, I think I just straight up said we are overdue for some Spelljammer weirdness um, <laughs> and we wanted to have like a little breath of levity before we went into like the final push of the chapter, which yeah. was the Githyanki That was Vault. the big pacing goal was that mm. we had really just hit them with downer after downer for the whole chapter and really put them under a lot mm. of pressure. And we thought it would be a really nice pace to just have some cool aesthetic space whales and let them, like, mm. ride around on lizards, Avatar style. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that definitely, I think, like, felt very Spelljammer to me. Like, I love those moments, um, you know, when I'm playing D&D where you're not be you're not under a tremendous amount of stress from like all these external factors going on and you can just enjoy the setting. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I really like that sort of thing. Like I love the space whales. It was, it was a great moment. I thought. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's something that where I think those moments can be a lot more impactful when you do have the pressure at other times. Like I think it's mm-hmm. that, that like up and down of the pacing that makes those moments really impactful. Um, Rather, if it was just like a constant of one thing, it just wouldn't be the same. Yeah. Man, the whales just make me think of that damn green jelly. Like, I can't think about that (laughs) green jelly without getting angry. green jelly ruined that entire scene. It makes me like, come, you can't eat it and put it on your body. You just can't do it. (laughs) I know this is a fantasy setting, but fucking come on. You have to take it up with Wizards of the Coast (sighs) because that's what it says in the DMG. Just fucked up. All right. No, you got to take it up with me. I slather myself in raspberry jam every Thursday night. (laughs) That actually sounds okay. We all have our kids. Uh, No, no, I have to laugh because it's like it's clearly meant as like you rub it on somebody yeah. but for whatever reason they decided that like ingesting it has the same effect <laughs> so weird and then naturally naturally that's the option you all do <laughs> yeah of course yeah. I, I look like winnie the pooh sitting there in a very know, intense situation slurping aloe nick please i need a tote bag just marco winnie the pooh style like hand in this stupid green jelly <laughs> jar with it all smeared across his face <laughs> like yeah uh, that was a very intense scene where we're all fighting and i look like winnie the pooh sitting there just slathered with green aloe on my face yeah it's so good these like little moments like that are like why i love role-playing games so much because it's just like the actual oh, yeah, fun, guys. <laughs> <laughs> all right uh so um probably want to start wrapping it up pretty quick here yeah we're uh, hitting that point so, yeah. uh, anybody else have any other questions? If not, um, Frostwalkers Podcast has another question. Um, um, I will ask a do. question from Chelsea that we did not get to last time that I think she mm-hmm. did want asked. Um, if our podcast was a candle, what would it smell like? <laughs> uh, I don't know. Starry night? I don't it's know. Is not- that a candle? <laughs> <laughs> I it's like, like a weird bath yeah. candle. Tanner candle. sniffs paintings. That's his. Uh, <laughs> it would smell like old boards and like space whale musk. Mm. Oh, here we it, go. Yeah, I think, uh, it, I think it would be very musky, too. 
I, I like like musky and like leathery. I mean, uh, like, Yankee Call. Yeah. With a hint of aloe. <laughs> yeah. Uh, aloe, yeah. <laughs> it's aloe. Uh, the ship is being steered by by Nick and Tom, so I have a feeling it would have a very like beer and whiskey alcohol scent <laughs> yeah. to the top. Yeah, of it. not just. Are you trying to say we have a problem? I, 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 it would have a very earthy tone. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's only a problem like, if you consider it a problem, Nick. It's fine. <laughs> A very earthy tone with hints of like a scotch or like a red oak or something like oh, that. I'll burn that candle yeah. for days. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, uh, Chelsea, whatever you could have gleaned from that <laughs> that that exchange of words that just happened. Yeah, because she makes candles. I'm like, you gotta make us a void fairy oh, candle, neat. and I think that we oh. just confused the answer truthfully <laughs> yeah. no and i and honestly i think there would probably be a hint of lavender in it as well but that's only because of the purple aesthetic that, so I, that's fair i think yeah Ooh, i would think yeah it would, it would smell tones. it would smell a little bit like purple not even lavender yeah. just like purple isn't that just, crazy it smells how like something purple. can smell a color it smells like great fa- great fanta <laughs> it's, <laughs> okay. it's hard because i feel like each of the characters definitely has a scent or at least a feeling to them. Yeah. And so to mix them together would probably smell like shit as the void fair does. I'm sure. <laughs> but I feel like it is yeah, a we're each bringing, bringing something to the table there. Marcos yeah. is definitely so. like aloe and parchment, which would smell so weird, <laughs> but, <laughs> but so yeah. good. All right. Uh, so Frostwalker's podcast last question was, uh, is there anything you wish you knew more about? So I, I guess this kind of translates to what things are you looking forward to learning more about? I want to see the goblin who I gave a mustache to again. Skirk! <laughs> you miss Skirk? Oh, hell yeah, I do. <laughs> who doesn't miss Skirk? <laughs> You're going back to Nadir Anchorage. You could visit Skirk yep. all you want. Oh, I'm going to visit him. Don't you worry. <laughs> there are two things that I would like to know more of. Uh, number one, I need more from the first episode, Braddocks and uh, <laughs> Silent Starlight. Um, uh-huh. And I'm specifically, to give a hint of the future, uh, Marco is specifically going to be looking for them. Because mm. I need, I want them back in the story in some way. I love them. Yeah, and they're the actually one. on a rival ship called, like... Mm. The Sploid Bearer. <laughs> that sounds like a disease. They've been on strangely parallel adventures. <laughs> and every once in a while, you'll have a fight with them. So you can kind of gauge your progress. <laughs> and they pick the Pokemon starter that is the <laughs> elemental advantage. Oh, of yeah. Yours. Yeah, I am, I am curious but, about what happened to that whole, like, there were, like, whatever, 14 people on that ship that are just sort of all introduced. So, you know, they're going to come back. <laughs> Yeah, there there was a bunch of named NPCs there. Yeah, yeah um, but uh, Braddock, Silence, and uh, Zillin, who is the gnome. Oh, Zil- I finally know his yeah. name. I never yeah, got it. No, I don't think it was ever revealed on the podcast, but his name is Zillin Shade Thicket. Hmm. Yeah. That's a name. Damn. Yeah. Ravnus yeah. wants Braddock's sword. He had a he had a gift sword. She wants it. Yes. And uh, I think that Ravnus also wants to know what's go- what. What are some of the pirates of Gith doing right now? Because I'm worried for my girl. <laughs> <laughs> now, you know what else? I was thinking about the kind of the crew of the Voidfarer, and it, it, it's hard to make a Kenku that doesn't automatically feel like it has some mystery built into them. Because everything yeah, they say has fair. to have been said by someone. So, like, where did right. you... If they're saying something weird, it's like, 
where the fuck did you pick that out? Like, who did that come from? What adventure <laughs> have you been on? You know what I mean? So, like, I, I think Scuttlebutt is automatically interesting. The minute in some random random conversation with Scuttlebutt where he just says, Harder, Daddy. Uh, <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> um, <laughs> I apologize. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, no, uh, I, I love Scuttlebutt as a character. Yeah. Uh, the minute I came up with the name Scuttlebutt for Kinku, I knew he was going to be one of my favorite characters. It's very good. <laughs> that is a great name. Um, so just to quickly go over, because I had a second thing that I was really interested in, and since Saker just brought it up, um, Nick, I'm going to actually implore you here. I would honestly like an episode where we focus on the Voidfarer crew and kind of getting to know each other because there's so many yeah. crew members and they all have such interesting personalities and I don't mm-hmm. think a lot of them have had a chance to shine. Like, Scrib no, there's a lot shines bright like a diamond. Right. We're not going to be on that episode, Nichols. It's just going to be you. Hell yeah. It's just going to be <laughs> me having a million conversations with myself. Uh, yeah, no, sounds great. Everyone wants to listen I'm, to that, I'm going to sure. record like a dozen wild lines that you can insert as like Luckbeak is walking by or something in one of your scenes <laughs> <laughs> yeah you exactly just, you just hear like muffled in the distance yes exactly <laughs> but um the episode i would love is marco Luckbeak, and ravnus just getting to know the crew a little bit better so that some of these mm. other characters have a chance to really shine yeah uh i will say this that like starting starting in this next chapter um we are going to be moving into kind of a more sandboxy kind of player driven format at least uh for the first part of the episode um so you guys will have the opportunity to talk to the crew if you want to there is the handful of characters that you've dealt with m- more than any others you know scriv brohane uh coot um salon uh and all of them but there there are like 20 others that are just kind of there um and they they all have their own little thing going on that i i fleshed out for every <laughs> single one um so by all means uh if you have the opportunity or the need or however you want to rationalize talking to some of these characters um by all means go for it like i said this uh going into this next chapter you guys are going to kind of have free reign of the void fair and into your anchorage and a lot of other stuff so kind of think of things that your characters want to do and just fucking do it yeah that's that's always some hard (laughs) cognitive dissonance i have with uh player Mm. versus character is like god i'm so interested Mm. in this character but like is luck peak interested (laughs) right right um and and it's like i i think that like so like metagaming is like this this dirty word but i think there's a lot of useful metagaming that can happen when like stuff like that where it's like like my character may not be super interested in this but i'm super interested in this so you can kind of like massage a reason to do certain things for sure um like uh like a lot of that is like you know like partying up like kind of like all right we're kind of all gonna agree out of character that regardless of who our characters are they're gonna kind of have a reason to stick together it's it's little things like that it's not it's technically metagaming it's not bad metagaming Mm. it is just (laughs) like we want to play the game we want to play and then if on the back end we need to rationalize it however we want to rationalize it there's nothing wrong with that Mm mm-hmm my two cents. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um so that was that question. I do have a question I want to I want to leave off on. Was there anything else we wanted to 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 cover real quick? Nah, dude, do it. Uh, 
All I'm right. good. Well, first things first, I'm going to do the, the, the typical spiels. Um, so, uh, remember to follow us on social medias at Voidfarer Podcast on Facebook and Instagram at Voidfarer Pod on the Twitters. Um, if you are liking what you're hearing, be sure to give us a review on iTunes because that is super fucking helpful. I cannot stress that enough. So, yeah, be cool and do that. Um, Let's see. Hey, do you want some Voidfarer merch on your body? Uh, you can go to our Redbubble shop uh, at bit.ly slash project derailed. Or no, fuck, that's not it. Bit.ly slash derailed shop. I don't have notes. I'm doing this all off the top of my head. Uh, <laughs> Fix it in the um, edit. Yeah, no. That takes, the, that takes character away. You know? <laughs> you're right, you're right. So... Uh, hey, we're affiliated with Wave, which is a super cool app for creating social media videos from your audio clips like podcasts. So you could take a, a clip, uh, add art, a waveform, and even add subtitles, and it's perfect for your social media. And if you sign up using our affiliate link, bit.ly slash wavefarer, link will be in the show notes. There's two Vs in it. It's confusing. Uh, you help support the show, which is pretty fucking cool, and we thank you for that. Uh, did I did I hit all the important things? I think I did. Uh, so lastly, I asked this question of Tom and Fiona, and I need to ask... Tanner and Saker. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Would you rather fight ten doar sized gif or one gif sized doar? Jeez. <laughs> oh, it's very important. Boy. We have two answers on the record. Uh, can we know what those answers are or are we not allowed? Um I, I, I don't know if there was a definitive answer. Mm-hmm. It was kind of debated it for a while. <laughs> I, I didn't remember what yeah. my answer was. Yeah, I think that we both came to the same answer, which can I say what it was? Sure. Uh, yeah, or, sure. Yeah. There's no rules here. <laughs> we're, we're... Well, I, well, I think that at least mine was. Um, well, no, I guess that there was debate because the because of the gun being attached to them. So it it was like ten doar size gif though, right? That's what I said. Yeah, ten I think that we decided because we decided that like the gun would actually be more like a BB gun type of thing. And also <laughs> Tom added the detail that you were all naked in a pit, <laughs> which I did not think oh, was the there case. There was lots of debate over the, the scenario. Yeah. So on the But there's scenario- cover for some reason. It's weird. Okay. I don't know why you're naked. Three fourths cover, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> On the basic scenario, I would say that I would like to face a gift-sized doar because I don't want a swarm technique going on here with those ten. Yeah. I want mm-hmm. one one to fight and that's it. And I think I could take a penguin the size yeah. of me. It's it's already <laughs> it's already a doar, so it's at least less dangerous than a normal sized gift. You just gotta get like a <laughs> strawberry into its mouth. And exactly. Then, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now you're drunk. <laughs> Damn, dude! I'm looking. Oh man, Luckbeak is three eight and sixty eight pounds. So if I, uh-huh. oh, man, could I handle ten? So that's like handling like ten, like I don't know, third graders. Could I? I guess <laughs> kick, kick ten third graders with BB guns before they overpowered me. I. <laughs> I think I, I think that honestly depends on who wants it more. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. True. <laughs> um. I guess I'm gonna go with one. Ah. Oh, fuck. Ten. Ten. I'm going ten. Cause like GIF are like eight foot tall, eight 
like eight to nine feet tall and probably weigh like four to five hundred pounds. Yeah. yeah, that was our main argument because they could just sit yeah. on you yeah. and then it's just yeah. over. I, I think like I could... you're just gonna lose no matter what against that. I don't know that I could take <laughs> more than one hit from a gift size gift size doar, but I could definitely yeah. take a bunch of hits from from now. It, now it would be a a gift sized flipper that would be hitting you. So. Yeah, that's got <laughs> some weight to it. I think I don't know. <laughs> It's a rough oh, question. Yeah, for Not sure. Not gonna lie. So yeah. well, that's that's my answer. Ten ten uh, door size gifts. Now the world knows. Now the world knows. I have me on record. Yeah. Solved. And knowing is half the battle. I don't care. Shot yeah. it from the mountaintop. Yeah. yeah. So uh, was there anything else any any of you guys wanted to plug? Oh, I have another podcast. It's all been done a Bare Naked Ladies podcast in which we talk about Bare Naked Ladies very, very little. Uh, if you are into <laughs> other geeky podcasts, we've had guests from uh, Hello from the Magic Tavern and My Brother, My Brother and Me and, uh, I don't know, musicians Mike Furman, uh, Laser Melina Weber from the Double Clicks, uh, uh, a bunch of people. So check that out. And also I have a dumb band that you might Legit, enjoy. Legit like cool people you've heard of before. Yeah. Uh, my band is uh, 2D6 Music, uh, 2D6Music.com for all that stuff. That you haven't heard of before. Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> Woof. Well, no, I mean, some of the listeners probably came in from Con on the Cob where you were at the party. That's probably so. true. Yeah, probably if you've a, been to Con on the Cob, you know who 2D6 is. There's probably a disproportionate number of listeners who do actually know what 2D6 is. Yeah, I own this podcast, Nick. If I tell the 2D6 contingent to leave, <laughs> you're out of a job. Oh, my f- man. Oh, I'm <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. Oh, wow. I, 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 I retract all previous dunks on 2D6. <laughs> <laughs> and you can uh follow big streaming pile on social media on facebook you can search big streaming pile on twitter we are at big stream pile because streaming pile did not fit hmm. and uh, hmm. you can listen to us wherever you listen to podcasts also the other day i saw that um you can still, through BackerKit, get a uh, playtest edition of Aberrant 2nd Edition, which is a game that I helped write, and it was a lot of fun. It's oh through Onyx Path Publishing, who has done other games, including, like, uh, you know, the World of Darkness games, like Vampire the Masquerade and such, and uh, they have a lot of cool stuff. Also, with uh, everything going on with coronavirus, they've been releasing... They probably won't be doing this at the time this goes up, but they've been releasing like one free PDF of one of their games a day, and it's been uh, pretty cool. Nice. Yeah, very cool. So, I got nothing. Watch, uh, listen to Void Fair. <laughs> yeah, do that. <laughs> Watch, listen to Void Fair, our new YouTube show where we talk about the podcast. <laughs> no, no, no. So, you listen to Void Fair and you watch whatever else the fuck you want, but you have to mute it. Oh, that's uh, so bad. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> just watch as we overdub whatever YouTube video you pulled up. Hmm. Anyway, so uh, speaking of wa- uh, of watching Voidfarer, fuck. Uh, chapter three of Tales of the Voidfarer will premiere not in two weeks like normal, but the next two weeks after that, which will be April twenty eighth. Um, we will do something in two weeks, uh, but we haven't decided what that is yet. So it'll be a surprise. We'll probably announce it sometime before then. Keep an eye on our social medias. Anyway, thanks for tuning in to this special behind-the-scenes Q&A, another Voidfarer Uncharted, and uh, we will see you next time. Bye. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Bye.
projectderailed.com. <laughs> There's just the, the ambient background <laughs> sounds of Tom getting himself a whiskey. <laughs>